0: my name's pauline and i'm the host of hello podcast here an avatar podcast party every wednesday i'll talk about an episode of avatar the last airbender and highly overanalyze a children's animation tv show from the mid to late 2000s so crack open some cactus juice and let's get started hello 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 welcome episode 15 hello podcast here avatar podcast party i'm pauline hope everyone's doing well so last week i announced that i was doing a twitch stream i did not stick to my schedule because so many things were going on i have no idea when i'm going to stream yet but if you follow my social media accounts i have it separate from my avatar podcast just because they're two unrelated things so it's Zuko's Bikini, all one word, on Twitter and Instagram. Follow those so you can figure out when I'm streaming. I'm probably going to start streaming on a regular schedule pretty soon. I just, so many things have been coming up. Today, I had to record uh, my piece with Danny. And then tomorrow, Dante Bosco has like a Zuko's Tuesday thing where he's helping encourage... People to register to vote. So that's at 8 p.m. So I was going to watch that. Wednesday. So the boys do league Wednesdays, can't stream them. Thursdays, probably could, but also football. Fridays are honor society, and Saturday and Sunday. I just like to keep my weekends open just because I have no idea what I'm doing. still have to figure out when i should stream on the weekdays if you guys have a preference as to when i should stream or you know a, a day that works better for you please let me know i will probably throw in some weekend streams there uh maybe like saturday like afternoons or something if i'm not doing anything but i mean with quarantine what the hell am i doing anyways so Might just do like a Fall Guys game, probably not Among Us just because I people are are not awake, you know, because everybody's on like different time zones. So I still have to figure that out, but maybe I'll do some of that there. Let me know when you guys would be interested in watching me stream or if you're even interested at all. My goal is to get to Twitch affiliate by the end of the year, so hopefully I can get that, but I just have to sit and stream. But that's not what we're here to talk about today. We're talking about Bato of the Water Tribe, Book One, Chapter Fifteen. As I said before, I did a piece with Danny, so Danny has been a long-time listener of mine. So I will put in the audio after my summary here. So I do have another guest again. If you want to be a guest and join the party, let me know. Uh, Danny has also agreed. And volunteered to help out with the ship debate. So, Vitika already said she'd want to be a part of that. So, I'll probably have the two of them. But if anybody else wants to join, please let me know. Going into Bacha of the Water Tribe. First premiered October 7th, 2005. Writer was Ian Wilcox. This is the only episode he wrote, I believe. Director was Giancarlo Volpe. Animation, DR Movie, and the IMDB rating was a 7.9 out of 10. So not bad, but also not great for, or compared to all the other episodes. Summary for this, the group runs into Bato, a fellow Southern Water Tribe soldier at a beach. They start to miss home and find out that they could potentially see their father again after two years. This causes Aang to fear his friends leaving him, so he intercepts a message from Hakoda to prevent them from getting his information. Meanwhile, Zuko hires June, a bounty hunter with a sheer shoe, and uses Katara's necklace to hunt down the Avatar. After a hefty battle, Ang retrieves Katara's necklace, and they all make up. Three fun facts. This is the first time that we see Appa engage in any sort of combat. Woohoo! Appa is usually flying, or he's eating, sleeping, whatever, but this is the first episode that we actually see him engage in a fight, and that's with Nyla. Uh, second fun fact. When June is arm wrestling in the tavern. The man she is wrestling looks like Ryu from Street Fighter. So Street Fighter was a game a while back. I don't know if it's still around, but the man that she's arm wrestling, he has like a, a red headband, spiky hair, very muscular, and she beats him. So it looks like Ryu. The last fun fact, we have Jennifer Hale. Jennifer Hale is joining us. She voices June. She also voices avatar kiyoshi jennifer is a very talented voice actress my girl genocide jen jenna lantern whatever you want to call her she is a huge fan of jennifer hale uh jennifer has also joined the honor society stream a few times i think she joined over a month ago and then she joined again for dante's birthday so she's been on on honor society for uh, like a few times so she's really cool it seems like but yeah, Jennifer Hale. She's in this episode. Really exciting. Some themes we'll focus on. I like, I, I chose female empowerment just because, I mean, June is a total badass and I love her so much and she's super strong and she's just, she's great. So I chose female empowerment for this, but I'm sure that there are other, other themes and parallels to other work that Street Fighter, we already talked about that. So before we get into the episode, here is my audio recording with Danny. <coughs> I now have Daniel, Danny, the collector on Instagram for my guest for Bato of the Water Tribe. How are you, Daniel?
1: I'm great. Thank you for having me on the podcast. (laughs) Thank you very, very much.
0: Of course, of course. So Daniel and I have been talking, you know, honestly, since I've started this podcast. So Daniel, you've been such a good, great supporter. I always appreciate your insight. You're always, you know, sending me messages and it's just, it's great to, you know, communicate with you, you know, about... You know avatar and, and things besides avatar which is great so yeah daniel why don't you kind of tell the listeners a little bit about yourself like where are you from
1: uh well my name is daniel acosta mm-hmm. i'm from mexico i'm currently uh, i'm a student and at least and i've uh, watched avatar basically my my entire life and and yeah that's it i'm i'm studying i am not an adult yet.
0: (laughs) (laughs) No rush. No rush to be an adult. (laughs) (laughs) Of course. (laughs) Nice. Okay, so you're studying. So how has quarantine been for you? Like, are you just now getting back to school?
1: We haven't gone back to school uh, physically, but we've had online classes like the rest of the world, I think. Yeah. It's been good. I think we've handled classes, at least in my school, uh, pretty good. So it's not a big deal but i can not say the same for for others in my country and in the whole in, in the whole world really
0: yeah yeah definitely school has definitely been one of those areas that has changed significantly with this virus on top of other things but so within like quarantine because i'm not entirely sure how you know we've kind of talked about it you know how mexico has been handling things versus you know how we're everything's happening in america but like how have you like, spent your time during quarantine? Like, what have you been doing to keep yourself busy during during this time?
1: Uh, I've been watching movies, a lot of movies. Nice. I don't watch a lot of TV shows apart from Avatar and other cartoons, but I've been watching cartoons, a lot of cartoons, like... Batman, the animated series, which I never watched until recently. Yeah. And of course, Avatar, again and again and again. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, that's good. How many times have you watched Avatar at this point?
1: This point, uh, in quarantine or in my entire oh, life? Just
0: in your entire life, yeah. How many run throughs have you done?
1: I think I've lost count, really. <laughs> it's- I've watched it so many times.
0: Yeah, it's great. I mean, it's such a good show. And it's always good to, you know, either have it on in the background or if you just really want to watch something that can make you happy. It's it's just that one show that I think we can all go back to. So you've been watching pretty much your entire life. Um, how old were you when Avatar first came out? I think okay. it came out in like 2005. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I was, <laughs> I was one year old when it came oh out. <laughs> So I didn't watch it in its original run, Yeah. but I watched it later. A lot of people with, uh, with fair reasons hate the M. Night movie, of course, yeah. but I will forever have a soft spot for it in my heart because when that movie came out, the series was rerun, at mm-hmm. least in Mexico, and that's how I watched it for the first time.
0: Oh, okay so that movie just kind of introduced you to the actual anime that's awesome yeah that's that's cool what are your thoughts on the movie i've never seen it before
1: it, it's bad it's, okay <laughs> it's really bad words are not enough to describe how bad it is it the special effects some are decent and there are mm-hmm. there, there is, some interesting cinematography, but the acting, pacing, characters—it's all bad. And of course, what most people dislike is how they whitewashed the cast.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. I I haven't really I I heard you know maybe the effects were were the best part of it, but the best part I mean is in it. We, we'll use that very loosely i guess but um yeah i haven't watched it i i've debated watching it maybe i will one day i i started twitch streaming so maybe i'll like stream myself watching the the, the movie and, <laughs> and record my my reactions to it we'll we'll see but um going along you know our avatar conversation like who is your favorite character within the avatar universe
1: i have two favorite characters okay. one is Sokka. uh he is my favorite character. He, he was, since I watched the show for the first time, I always liked him. Mm-hmm. He, he's so great. And the <laughs> other one is Ang. Mm-hmm. And for Sokka, I could go on hours and hours talking about why I like him. <laughs> but for Ang, my only reason is that he's nice. and <laughs> And I really like those types of characters. And yeah. that's it.
0: Yeah, it doesn't really feel like Aang has a mean bone in his body, and I feel like, well, the episode we're talking about today, Bato of the Water Tribe, this is, yeah. you know, the one episode where he kind of really messes up, and, you know, he may not be very likable in this episode, but I mean, besides that, he's he's a great character, and honestly... Whenever I ask people who their favorite character is, most people do not say Aang uh, just because, you know, maybe they, they think it's a cop-out because he's the main character. But no, Aang is Aang's a great character. I really yeah, like
1: him. Uh, and also his, his character. Okay, I told you that I just <laughs> like him because he's nice, but that's not entirely true. <laughs> I also like his, his arc and uh, everything he goes through. I think it's a bit um, uh, underappreciated because it's overshadowed by Sukos and how good it is. Mm-hmm. But but he also has a pretty good character arc.
0: Yeah, definitely. We meet him as, you know, a silly, silly kid. And he really has to grow up and, and you know, learn his destiny and to, you know, still care for others and, and, you know, always do the right thing, even if it's something that people don't agree with. We talked about favorite character. I mean, Sokka. Sokka's great. He's one of my of favorites, course. too. <laughs> uh, what is your favorite episode throughout? avatar the last Airbender. uh
1: well my favorite episode the one i i like the most is the headband but i i, I don't think it's the best the best one i think is either uh suko alone or yeah. crossroads of destiny but my favorite is the headband It's the one that i can always go back to and and have fun with.
0: yeah i think it's fun i think it's really relatable too just because i mean i i grew up like a nerd basically in school. I didn't really like to have fun. I was very buried. In, in books and, and trying to do homework and and I feel like that episode is very relatable to children and and you know even with me I always need to remind myself to have fun and ang does a really good job of that all while having that underlying message of you know war propaganda and how it starts when kids are so young so that's a, a whole other message within that that episode but that's that's a great episode what's your your favorite part about it
1: uh, I really like everything it's it's very fun I also like Suko's subplot of him going to to Ireland. Mhm. I really like that and and I also really like the the dancing between Gang and Katara. <laughs> I think it's really really good.
0: Yeah. What's mind blowing to me and this is just something that I assume like I don't think they've ever danced together before if they did maybe we just didn't see it but they didn't rehearse anything and they were that in sync with one another so that just kind of goes to show you know maybe they really are meant to be and as we see you know they they do end up together so going going along that yeah what is your your favorite ship like who are the two people that you just you love together whether it's canon or whether it's something that you know wasn't shown on screen
1: i told you for the longest time i was with sutara i (laughs) i just wish it had happened i (laughs) i thought it was it was meant to be and yes i i was one of those that claimed that we were robbed and (laughs) and i i really wanted it to happen and and i still like it but the more i watched the show the more I appreciate and what they did with Enga and, and Katara, I think it's really good and very underappreciated. Mm-hmm. It's not, of course, it's not the the main point of the series, but it's there. And you can see it evolved uh, uh, as the series goes on. And, and I think they did a really good job with it.
0: Yeah, and... I like the fact that romance is not the main point of the show, whereas in The Legend of Korra, it's, it takes on a much bigger role. Maybe it's because they're older, but I, I think the romance really distracted, you know, other parts within The Legend of Korra, so I am very appreciative of, of the fact that it wasn't the driving force of the plot within Avatar The Last Airbender, because at the end of the day, this is still definitely a, a kid's show, and, you know, kids we'll still relate to you know having a crush and uh you know maybe battling with another person to get your crush's attention things like that but at, at the end of the day there are you know other struggles that kids might be going through like with Aang and you know procrastinating the day before the black sun and you know dreaming about Math homework or a test or something like that. So yeah, I appreciate that it's not a a driving force. So more specific to this episode that we are talking about today, Bato of the Water Tribe. So this is the 15th episode, I believe, of book one. So we talked about this before we started recording. But this is not one of your your favorite episodes, right?
1: Uh, it's my least favorite episode <laughs> of Book One. I think of the whole series. Well, they are not. But it's not a bad episode. But I don't like watching uh, Appa's lost days. Uh, that might be my least favorite episode, but not for the same reasons. This one, I just don't think it's that good. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah. No, I I feel that I will agree. I will go as far as to say that. Bacho of the Water Tribe is my least favorite episode of Avatar The Last Airbender, like as a whole, you know, throughout all three books. I just don't really like how Aang lies to Katara and Sokka and keeps the map of Hakoda's whereabouts. And I talked about this a little bit in The Great Divide with Kevin, one of my other guests. Uh, You know, people a lot of times will pinpoint to these two episodes, you know, Aang, Aang lies in both episodes, or he he hides the facts, I guess. But with The Great Divide, he's lying to people that he doesn't know, and he probably won't ever see again. But in this episode, he lies to his quote-unquote family, which I think is ten times worse than what he did in The Great Divide. So, Yeah, what are your your thoughts on that? Like, what do you think about him hiding the truth about Hakoda's whereabouts, you know, taking the map and not giving that message to to Bato? Uh,
1: Well, the same thing that you said, it's it's, it's worse not only because of that, because of how close he is to, to Sokka and Katara, but, mm-hmm. but also because in The Great Divide, he lied to keep the two groups from fighting each other. Here, he lies for selfish reasons because yeah. he doesn't want his friends to, to go. I, in general, don't really like the, the liar story, of course, in which a mm-hmm. character is <laughs> keeping a secret from other people. And the whole story is him uh, lying. And I, I just don't feel, I don't like to lie at all. I'm very bad at it. And I also feel incredibly <laughs> guilty, even yeah. for the smallest lies.
0: Yeah.
1: So I don't like watching that. And of course, there's always the, you lie to us moment mm-hmm. that makes me cringe every single time Same. in all of those stories. I, I don't like that.
0: Yeah. And Sokka really, like very rarely, I mean, So Sokka blows a lot of things out of proportion. He's always yelling. He's always, you know, screaming or whatnot. But very rarely do you see him get this angry. I mean, I guess the next time we do see him this angry is is the next episode with the deserter when Aang accidentally burns Katara because he's really mad and and for good reasons. But yeah, I love the way that you said that, how Aang lied for, for selfish reasons. And it's something that you know, maybe a twelve year old will will do, I don't know, but I, I I would hope that he learns his lesson. And and one thing that I don't really understand, I guess, well maybe it's because Ang came back to help them you know, survive Zuko and June and all of that stuff, but they don't really, like, make up with one another. You know, they end the episode with them floating away on Appa and, uh, you know, them just saying, oh, well, we're getting you to the North Pole. I guess it's like an unspoken forgiveness type of conversation, but you don't really hear them resolve things, and, and Aang doesn't... I don't know, does does Aang apologize for taking the note? I don't remember.
1: Uh, he apologizes... Well, he tries to apologize okay. when when he gives them the map uh, but Sokka blows him off (laughs) Uh, but that's it that's always that's something that has always bothered me in both this episode and later in in the southern raiders when Katara doesn't apologize to Sokka for for saying uh, of course the infamous dialogue yeah (laughs) that was really messed up
0: that was really messed up, I-, I think. Yeah, that's understandable. Is there any part of this episode that you do like?
1: <laughs> yes, as a matter of fact, I really like the fight scene between Eng and Suko. It's my favorite fight from book one. Yeah. Which is ironic that it comes from my least favorite episode. <laughs> but yeah, I really like it. It's really good. I Yeah. <laughs> it's great. It's-
0: I was reading um, this episode specifically within Avatar Extras. They had said that they wanted to show Aang's fighting development progress. I guess, and maybe it's because he has maybe Katara to spar with, but it also showcases Zuko's fighting development. Uh, you know, he's clearly gotten a little bit better. Whereas in the first episode, uh, Iroh saying you need to master the basics. Where here, he's he's doing a pretty good job of you know being on the offense with with Ang and. Yeah, I, I love this fight scene. I think it's great. I also think it's great that we get to see Appa join in on the, the fighting because yeah. we haven't seen him fight before. So what what opinions do you have about, you know, Appa getting in, in the ring and fighting against uh, Nyla?
1: <laughs> well, it, it's great. I always love some Appa action. Uh, we see a bit more of that the, in book two, but but I really like that. I don't like when he gets hurt because when Appa yeah. gets hurt, we all get hurt. But what yeah. I like, he, what I liked seeing him fight. I thought it was really good.
0: Mm-hmm. I thought it was very impressive that, well, I mean, I guess it's not that impressive, but I, I think it's interesting that he, it takes a lot for Nyla to paralyze him in order for him to be fully paralyzed. Cause you know, he does get hit at one point and he's down for maybe a couple seconds, but he's able to get back up. No problem. And I also like the fact that Appa... There's this one point where Appa starts charging at Zuko as if he's going to, like, stomp on him or something. And Zuko looks genuinely afraid of of Appa at this point. But I also (laughs) like June. I think June is, like, a a great character. She's usually one of the ones that people point to as, you know, a really good minor character, even though she's only in about two episodes. I think she's in this one, and we don't see her again until the the finale. But, yeah... what, what opinions do you have on June?
1: And no, I, I think June is a really great character. Well, mm-hmm. I wish we had seen more of her. Yeah. I, I don't remember where I saw that, but I saw someone um, having this idea of her being in book three, and uh, I, I, I wish we had seen her more because I really liked her. When I first watched the series, I thought she was going to stay with Suko and, and Iroh. Yeah, I thought that was going to happen but of course it didn't but I, I wish we had seen more of her and I really like her.
0: That's a good theory or or you know a good alternative plot point I guess uh you know because I don't know if if Zuko ever actually paid her or Iroh's weight in gold uh you know for helping him capture <laughs> the avatar because the mission was not complete uh and and who knows if she ended up paying him back for the damages on, on his ship. So I think it would have been interesting if she had partnered with Zuko and Iroh long term, especially since Iroh kind of has a thing for her in, in this episode at least.
1: <laughs> well, technically she delivered because yeah. they, they they were going to pay her to find the Avatar, which she did. Yeah, that's so true. She delivered, uh, she did her job.
0: Mm-hmm. That's a good so, technicality. Yeah. <laughs> uh,
1: I think even though Suko might have objected, I think Iroh ended up paying her.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they have so much money. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. It, yeah. Iroh's weight and money. I think that's funny. And what I like about this episode is that Iroh laughs a lot. Like, he's laugh. He Like, June makes him laugh so much for some reason. And she's not even that funny I guess but he just he laughs a lot and it's like a really loud loud laugh and you know Iroh laughs every now and then but this episode specifically he he laughs a lot but yeah this is definitely a a, I would say more of a controversial episode just because of the whole Aang Hiding the facts from Katara and Sokka and and Bato, but it's still rated much higher than The Great Divide. It has a 7.9 out of 10 on the IMDb, which I think is a lot higher than what I would have assumed. I don't know what or if you agree with that. You know if this is that much higher than than The Great Divide.
1: <laughs> I I think they are pretty on on par in mm-hmm. in, in, in in quality. They are both they both have um, really mediocre you could say stories they they don't have that much weight on the story well in in this one uh, Katara gets her necklace back which I Mm -hmm. think it's something maybe yeah but it's it's a bit controversial because because of Aang's actions and and also something that I've seen people criticize about it it's creepy uncle Iroh.
0: Yes. That was also I didn't know if you wanted to to talk about that, but yeah, I I've, I've seen some people call Iro out for being a little little creepy with June. If you want to talk about that, yeah, feel free to to share your thoughts.
1: Well, of course it's more of an anime trope of the creepy old guy. Mhm. Um I think it was a bit of the out of character uh, for mm-hmm. him. I thought it was funny, but, of course, the episode aired back in 2005, 2006, and Mm -hmm. back then we didn't have uh, uh, all of these...
0: All, all these, yeah. yeah political mm-hmm.
1: correctness that we have now so <laughs> yeah i see why sense. why in retrospect some people might think it's a bit problematic i i think mm-hmm. it's not it's i think it's not that that bad uh, mm-hmm. but yeah I, I see why some people might might have a problem with with high yeah. rules creepiness
0: yeah and i've seen a lot of you know posts like reddit threads and things like that about it and the majority of those threads kind of started after avatar was added on Netflix this year. So, uh, I, I think you're right. You know, maybe people back in 2005 when it first aired might not have thought anything about it, but now that, you know, society has kind of developed a little bit more, uh, you know, which in a a good way definitely for sure uh you know respecting women i definitely appreciate that i i could see yeah i could see why people are calling it out for for sure but uh, i love june i I agree i wish we saw more of her i think she's great i also think sheer shoes are, are very interesting animals i mean we see nyla again at the end of book three Within the Avatar universe, like what is your, your favorite hybrid animal? There's, there's been quite a few that we've been introduced to.
1: <laughs> I, uh, my favorite animal might be uh, uh, the flying lemur, uh, Momo. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I really like him. I, I wish they existed in real life. They, they're so cute.
0: <laughs> yeah, he is cute. Uh, have you seen The Legend of Korra yet? I know we kind of talked about how it, I don't think it's available where, like on Netflix yet for, for Mexico. But have you uh, seen Korra?
1: Nope, I haven't. Um, I've tried to. I think it was on Netflix for a while here in Mexico back then. Okay, so unlike in the United States in which Avatar was just added like a few months ago on Netflix, has always been uh, a regular show here in Mexico it has been for a couple of years maybe Uh, Mm -hmm. it's one of those that gets periodically taken out sometimes it comes back sometimes it's just the first season sometimes it's the whole show and and things like that so maybe Cora will get added maybe not yeah I, I want to see it some of my mm-hmm. friends say it's bad, say that it's right. uh, very bad. Uh, I've heard every single spoiler about the series. Uh, oh, okay. <laughs> uh, I know the characters, I know what happens, um, but, but, I, but I'll have to see for myself before criticizing. Yeah
0: hmm That's a good attitude. Well, yeah, the reason why I bring it up is because there are hundreds of more lemurs in The Legend of Korra that we get to meet. Uh, one of them is named Pokey, and I think that's the only one that's that's named. But uh, Aang's grandson manages to train hundreds of lemurs to be at his command at one time. So it's 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 funny. There are definitely some scenes that are you know, good, there are, are some plot points, again, like the romances that I just, I could care less about or don't really yeah, agree I, with.
1: I've yeah. heard that. Well, from what I've seen in The Legend of Korra, there are some things and concepts that I really like. Um, mm-hmm. I uh, Some characters seem pretty good from what I've seen. I, I've heard mm-hmm. a lot of praise regarding uh, Tenzin and Aang Sun. Yeah, I think he's I, good. But there's also some things that even though I haven't watched, I don't like from from what i've seen Mm -hmm. uh they say that angie's like neglectful like not a good parent i i i don't i i don't like that
0: yeah it was only one episode i think in book two where they just kind of talked about that but then they they kind of squashed the idea of it or not they didn't squash the idea of it but you know at the end they show a very happy family photo of of all five of them I don't know I I think there needs to be more detail around it I guess because uh, we really only got one episode talking about Aang kind of neglecting them or really focusing more on Tenzin uh you know because from what Zuko says you know Aang's big thing was you know to try and rebuild the air air nomad culture and which is understandable point, I think yeah, and, you know, at that point in time with Tenzin being the only airbender that he birthed, then, you know, I, I could understand why he wanted to spend a lot of time with him because Ang's time was limited and he had to pass the information down to someone. But I will say that, uh, you know, watching Kaya fight is very reminiscent of both Katara and Aang. You know, her fighting style is definitely a a good mix of of both of them, and even though she is a pure waterbender, her fighting style does have some some airbending uh, tactics, I I guess, which is really cool. So, and all three of the kids are are fantastic uh, benders at, at, at the end of it all and and they definitely got the talent from from both Ang and and Katar for sure.
1: <laughs> That's an interesting concept. I I like it that he that that she manages to merge both her parents' fighting yeah. style.
0: Yeah, if you watch especially within book 3, you can you can definitely see a lot of Ang's fighting tactics uh, within her, even though she is just a not just a waterbedder, because being just a waterbender is just great. Uh, but yeah, she she definitely employs both of their uh, their fighting abilities. But going along that, like, what nation would you be from? And then it doesn't have to be the same, but what type of bending would you would you want?
1: Okay, so <laughs> what nation I would like to be from? Yeah, I've always find uh, the 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 Inuits very mm-hmm. interesting, so I might say water tribe i <laughs> i I like their way of living i 'm mm-hmm. more of a city guy, but I think I could adapt i I would like to well, maybe not live there uh, all the time, but I like <laughs> to be seated and maybe live there for a while yeah, and also the the fire nation i I think it would be interesting living there mm-hmm. and what type of bender? Uh, yeah. I might say I really like airbending. Okay. That's my favorite element. And I would love to be able to, to be an airbender, but there's a problem with that. I
0: mm-hmm.
1: am not in the slightest in touch with my spiritual side. <laughs> I have never meditated. I was raised without religion. I, don't, right. I cannot concentrate to, to focus all that i tried yeah. to research uh of buddhism and mm-hmm. and a nation like uh, religions but but i can't I, I can't and i don't know if i would be able to manage to <laughs>
0: to yeah live that lifestyle too. yeah definitely yeah that's definitely a really big piece within airbending which is you know also why i probably wouldn't be able to be an airbender because i just i don't really like to to sit still. I can't really clear my head or anything like that. So meditating is I've tried and it's just it hasn't done it for me, I guess. But yeah, for me specifically, I would I would love to be a water bender. I think bending water is very versatile and you can do a lot with it, both offense and defense, if you were, you know, in a squabble. Uh, but I always and I've taken so many quizzes, I just I always feel most like a a fire Nation uh, uh, citizen I guess Uh, you know all of my favorite characters are pretty much all Fire Nation so uh, I would definitely gravitate more towards being from the Fire Nation even though I want to be a waterbender so (laughs) and also I'm Filipino I I would say our uh, Filipino culture is probably most closely related to waterbending maybe even foggy swamp I don't know but
1: (laughs) yeah also in order to be an airbender i would mm-hmm. have to be vegan or vegetarian yeah and i for the love of god could not could not be could could not stop <laughs> to eating meat that's something i relate to soccer i yeah. i love meat and here in mexico meat is really important it we basically mm-hmm. eat meat every single day it's not very healthy but i i, I couldn't live without meat i yeah. couldn't eat vegetarian it's, so <laughs> it's part of the
0: the cuisine down there yeah so what what's your favorite food like what's your favorite mexican dish that that you like to eat
1: well uh, my favorite food in general would be hamburgers but uh, more, <laughs> uh, mexican food i'd say uh, tacos al pastor
0: oh okay
1: uh, it's marinated pork mm-hmm. uh, roasted it's It's very good. We heat it with uh, onion and cilantro. I don't know how how it's called in English.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, cilantro. Yeah, it is. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Uh, I see. So yeah, that would be my favorite, uh, more Mexican-related food.
0: Yeah, definitely. Well, thanks so much for coming on today. I really appreciate it. You know, I loved hearing all of your opinions and how avatars played you know a pretty big part in in your life so uh but yeah danny it was awesome having you you on here
1: <laughs> now thank thank you for inviting me and and giving me this opportunity thank you very of much
0: Of course. all right so that was my conversation with danny Danny, thank you again for coming on. I really appreciated it and love talking to you. Again, if you want to be part of the podcast party, let me know and we can schedule a time whether it's for a bonus episode or for a regular episode. Just let me know. But now let's actually get into Bato of the Water Tribe. So it starts out with Aang and Sokka finding a whale tooth spear. The water tribe or water tribe members they typically have different types of weapons. So whale tooth spears one of them, a boomerang is another one, Sokka's machete is another one as well. So those are typically used by the water tribe warriors I guess is what they're called maybe. I don't know. (laughs) But here we actually see a first flashback for Sokka. So he's baby Sokka. Not really a baby because it's literally like two years ago, but it's him seeing the rest of the men from the Water Tribe packing up and getting ready to leave to go fight in the war. I was a little confused by this because they literally left the Southern Water Tribe almost defenseless. And I don't know. I would just, I would have assumed that maybe, you know, maybe they would have left one or two people and because Katara is not a realized waterbender yet. Like, she doesn't have anybody there to train her. Sokka is there, obviously, but he was only, what, like, 12, 13 when, when Hakoda and his friends left? I don't know. I just think it's a little weird that they would leave their entire tribe defenseless, especially when it's their wives, their moms, and their kids there. I don't know. Sokka just basically solves this mystery of where this spirit came from so quickly and they end up landing on a beach where they find one of their own boats from their tribe. One thing that I noticed here and I will only mention it this time because I noticed it like throughout the entire episode while they're here is that their footprints disappear in the sand uh, whenever they're, they're on the beach. That's like the A story. The B story here is Zuko trying to obviously capture Aang. But this is one of those episodes where the A story and B story combine, which is always fun. So he's trying to relax. It probably took Iroh a lot to convince him to sit down and have a cup of tea with him. But clearly that doesn't go very well because there's a disturbance up ahead and they realize that it's this woman that has this beast and she finds a stowaway that was in, you know, in in a barrel at the bottom of their ship. This is June, as we all know. So June is voiced by Jennifer Hale. Jennifer Hale is one of those great voice actors that has, you know, done a lot. Yeah, and June is seen again in the series finale. So she's only seen here and then at the very end. June is actually modeled by one of the staff members of Avatar. Uh, I'm not entirely sure which one, but they even have the same tattoos apparently, which is pretty cool. Definitely something that June is known for. And June is also one of the few women in the show that actually wears, like, makeup, specifically lipstick. So others include Suki, Azula, Ursa, and I believe there's one other person. I I am totally blanking right now. So June rides a sheer shoe, easily one of the coolest animals in the Avatar world, uh, named Nyla. So Nyla is... Or a, a, a shirishu, I should say, is a cross between a giant anteater, a wolf, and a star-nosed mole. Don't know what that is. Uh, <laughs> originally supposed to be a cross between a bloodhound and an aardvark. I can't even imagine what that would have looked like. Sheer shoes are originally seen in the Kyoshi novels. They are typically found in the southern earth kingdom and they live underground. They're uh, a mole-like mammal. They don't have any eyes so they rely very heavily on their strong sense of smell and they can smell a specific scent like hundreds of miles away as we'll hear June say later on. Typically used for tracking but they also have saliva that has paralyzing agents that can help take down enemies, take down other animals. So one thing that I caught during my rewatches is that I believe, yeah, in Appa's Lost Days, the Sandbenders say, uh, shoot him with some... Sheer shoe venom so basically the Sheer shoe saliva is extracted for darts to paralyze people and animals which is pretty sad uh their tongues are they act like a whip which then has the the venom on it and they have strong teeth that can apparently bend metal as we'll see with uh <laughs> with zuko's ship and one thing that uh danny and i talked about is that iroh seems to have like a little crush with <laughs> with june so I wanted to know what people thought about this. Like, do you think Iroh is, you know, a creepy guy for having a crush on June? And then, you know, later on in the episode, you know, he's trying to talk with her a little bit. You know, he he helps her uh, get back up. And then at the very end of it all, he, like, saves her from falling to the ground and she's laying on him. So I don't, I, I don't know. What do you guys think about Iroh's relationship, I guess, with with June. I think it's funny when Zuko hears his uncle, like, having this crush and he just, like, gets so angry and annoyed with him and he just makes this this annoyed face every time. <laughs> Another question that I had is like, how the heck did nobody notice that they had a stowaway on their ship? Because there's what, like easily like 10 people on the ship that are all helmsmen that are, you know, part of the Fire Nation army. So I don't really understand how they could see that one person or how they couldn't see one person slip into the ship. I don't know. Also, when June and Nyla are riding across the dock after they leave the ship, the stowaway is no longer on Nyla. disappears somehow. (laughs) Going back to Sokka and, uh, you know, all of them, it is a full moon. There's a ton of full moons in this show. (laughs) They're camping next to this boat. Katara and Aang are already asleep, but Sokka is still wide awake, and that's usually weird uh, because uh, or that is weird because Sokka is usually sleepy or hungry. <laughs> uh, yeah, this episode is definitely, a, a you know, more of a Sokka oriented episode. And in, in my opinion, here, we are seeing more glimpses of Sokka's past because and it's great because it allows us to learn more about his character and you know, why he is the way that he is right now and how he develops later on. So there's another flashback that we see. It's baby Sokka, baby Sokka, 12, 13-year-old Sokka, still voiced by Jack DeSena. Jack is great. Jack can voice any child, I guess. (laughs) Here, it's shown that Sokka really tried to go with his dad and the other soldiers to go fight in the war. And this is the first time that we see Hakoda uh, and hear his voice, even though it's, you know, technically a flashback. But we do see Hakoda for the first time, and Hakoda's saying... You gotta stay here, you have to protect your sister and be the man of the tribe. And Sokka gets really upset and rightfully so, because they just lost their mom, you know, a little while before this, and now they're they're technically losing their dad to the war. Like, that's- it's really sad. But then we're out of the flashback and we meet Bato. Bato, unfortunately, is wounded. He was badly burned by a Fire Nation soldier, so he was left behind while the rest of the- the soldiers from the Water Tribe went off, I think, to the eastern part of the Earth Kingdom at that point. Bato is voiced by Richard McGonagall. He's another one of those people that's done- like a, a lot of other voice acting gigs and Bato is uh, one of Hokoda's best friends and he's been chilling at this abbey with some nuns that have been taking care of him and have been healing him we don't get to see Katara heal anything until the next episode so it's a little unfortunate that she doesn't know how to heal yet it would be cool if, if she did and she would just fix Bato up right away oh yeah and the nuns also make perfume so I don't it's not very clear if they ship the perfume out to other places or if they just kind of keep it to themselves but Saka here makes a joke with the perfume and nobody laughs and instead of a laugh we hear an awkward cough it's another one of those awkward coughs that we heard in uh the king of Omashu where Bumi was you know saying some jokes and nobody laughed and, and the only thing you heard was a cough so we have no idea where these coughs are coming from but I think it's hilarious that they added them in. Bato says, "You know, you're you have your dad's humor or whatever," and we do hear some of Hakoda's jokes at the end of book two, where Bato then again makes a a comment about their their sense of humor. <laughs> Now we're going to Bato's quarters. He's clearly made a home for himself here. He's probably been here for a little while if he was able to decorate this entire room, you know, by himself. Uh, And I'm assuming that the decor is from the ship that they have and Aang really does not like it. And Momo does not like it. You know, obviously a vegetarian won't really like animal hide. I'm not a vegetarian, but I also don't like it. I don't like anything fur, you know, pure leather. I don't really like faux stuff either. I just, I, yeah, I don't. Another thing that Aang doesn't like is stewed sea prunes. <laughs> they also don't even sound very good. And clearly they're not very good if Momo's eating it and then spits it out. Cause Momo will literally eat anything. One thing that I, I saw online, uh, you know, it's like a fan theory not really a fan theory but just like a, a joke is that anytime uh Aang would mess up or or piss Katara off she would just serve him stewed sea prunes for dinner <laughs> because she knows that she hates it and he can't do anything but you know he would have to eat it either way <laughs> Bato is now catching up with Katara and Sokka and Aang is kind of left on the back burner is being ignored I get it you know they haven't seen anybody from their any man from their tribe for over two years but you know Aang's getting ignored and, and as someone that, that that's just like one of my big pet peeves is getting ignored so i totally feel for Aang in this this moment but at the same time they're they're trying to catch up ang also tries to wear one of the wolf hats that's in, there, or like the wolf head that's in there and i thought that was really weird considering the fact that he was just expressing his distaste for for the decor, but I think he does wear a similar wolf head in the Avatar State episode when they're trying to trigger the Avatar State. Like, they wear- they take something from each nation, like a ceremonial thing from each nation to help trigger it. I thought this was, like, a weird transition. You know, Bato was, like, talking and then right away it- transitions to the tavern that June's at I don't know I just I thought it was weird like I I didn't realize that we were jumping over to the B story so quickly (laughs) I don't know if anybody else noticed that but outside the tavern is Nyla and a couple other people and inside June is wrestling a guy again that looks like Ryu from uh, Street Fighter so she's actually seen fighting the same man again in the finale when when they go see her again now Zuko and Iroh are coming in and one of my favorite Zuko lines is like, step aside, filth. I think that is such a great line. I think it's just absolutely hilarious. Uh, you know, Iroh's kind of, you know, trying to, to not cover for Zuko, but he's saying, I'm sure you bathe regularly. I, I love that exchange there. I think it's one of my favorite lines. <laughs> June is a badass here. You know, she's, she just beat this really muscular guy. Everybody's throwing her money. Zuko's trying to demand money from her, and she says she's short on money while she has all of these coins in front of her. <laughs> and then she says, drinks on me. Love that. I think it's great. But Zuko is trying to compromise with her, saying, uh, all the damage on my ship will be covered if you help me find somebody. And he pulls out Katara's necklace. And June's like, did you lose your girlfriend or something? So June, I think, is the ultimate Zutara shipper. I think- it's hilarious because she makes a lot of comments about them later on in the episode. And then in the finale, she does as well. <laughs> but yeah, she agrees as long as they pay her. Uh, no, as long as they pay Iroh's weight in gold to her. So I'm assuming that they they do later on. But so Iroh, Iroh just like laughs at everything that she says, which I think is great. I think I mentioned that earlier with, with Danny. But so they take the necklace. He, uh, Nyla is able to track Katara. Katara apparently has a purple shaded scent. I don't really know what the colors mean, but I guess it's just for us to to see where where Katara is, I guess, in, in relation to where they are. Now they are, they as in Katara and Sokka, are finding out that they could potentially see their dad again because he's supposed to hear, or supposed to send his whereabouts to Bato. So they might even be able to get to see him after two years and Aang does not feel happy for them because that would mean that they would have to leave him. Which is sad, you know, because they've been saying this entire time that they're his family and, you know, they're gonna help him out. But if he had just stayed a little while longer, he would have learned that they weren't going to leave him and that, you know, helping him was their main priority. But he walked out of the room too, too early. Aang is upset, he wants to be alone, but then he gets interrupted by this like Earth Kingdom messenger who is riding an ostrich horse. So this is, I believe, the second time that we see an ostrich horse. We do see another one again with Zuko stealing one from, wow, I'm forgetting her name, the girl that, you know, takes him in for dinner in book two. Um, But yeah, this Earth Kingdom messenger sends the, or gives the message of Hakoda's whereabouts with the map. Aang gets rid of it, but not really. He just crumples crumples it up and puts it in his never-ending pocket in his (laughs) robes. One thing that I I read about Earth Kingdom Messengers is that it's really dangerous to be one. You know, they'll be riding for like hundreds of miles a day, even in between battle uh you know they'll ride right through battlegrounds and stuff hardly taking any breaks so being an earth kingdom messenger is probably not the best job but yeah Aang is acting real sus right now and he acts pretty sus the entire episode um and he he doesn't intend on giving this message to Katara and Sokka and Bato which is really shitty in my opinion but now On B-Story, so A-Story and B-Story are closely, or getting closer together, I should say. Nyla is now taking them wherever they've been the last few episodes. So I guess you could say this moment right here is a bit of like a a catch-up, like reminding us viewers where where we've been the last couple of episodes. So first they go to the herbalist, Miyuki's freaked out. I love what the herbalist says here. Like, is Miyuki, like, did you get in trouble with the Fire Nation again? Again? Like, what did she do before? I would love to know what Miyuki has done to piss off the Fire Nation. One cat, you know, causing chaos within the Fire Nation is hilarious. I, I, I don't know. We, I don't think we find out. <laughs> Flips back. Aang is now feeding up with some hay. He's still carrying the note around him. I don't know why he didn't just, like, throw it in the in the water or whatever. I don't know. But now they're talking about ice dodging. And ice dodging, as we'll learn, is like a rite of passage for a Southern Water Tribe soldier that proves that you're capable of being a warrior. It's a test of your wisdom and your bravery and leadership, all of that fun stuff. But yeah, they start talking about it and Sokka just looks so sad because he's never had the opportunity to go ice dodging with his dad. It's It's sad because it's something that every man in his tribe has been able to go through, and he's the only one right now that hasn't, but he is of age. During ice dodging, you steer and command a boat to safety without anyone's help. It's done typically at the age of 14. So at this point in time, Sokka is at least 14, 15. I would would bet he's 15. He's going to be able to go with, with Bato, which is very exciting. So Zuko, so now we're back with Zuko. Uh, We're in Makapu Village where we can see the hardened lava from the volcano that Aang kind of froze, I guess, uh, in in the last episode. And we meet Aunt Wu. We meet Aunt Wu again. So clearly she is, is, you know, targeting... Iroh and he (laughs) she calls him handsome asks if he wants his fortune read but he doesn't want it because at this point in time in his life he's kind of lived and seen everything and the only last surprise from him is when he's gonna die and he wants to leave that a mystery and I respect that I really do so now we're actually going ice dodging so here instead of ice we are dodging rocks Uh, Everybody is given their responsibilities. Aang, again, is still acting sus. Sokka does a really good job of steering here. But I would get nauseous because I have, like, serious seasickness. I just have, like, terrible vertigo in general. But, um, you know, being on a boat. Honestly, being on a dock that is swaying gives me... Sea sickness as well, so I could never be on this boat ever. Now they're incorporating their bending. So Katara is water bending, and Aang is air bending some air into the sail, and they're able to get over this huge mount of of rocks, which is crazy. Sokka passed. He is now officially a water tribe warrior, and he gets the ceremonial markings on him. So Bato is now doing the these markings. He's calling to the spirits of water whom we will meet later on, very exciting. Uh, Sokka gets the mark of the wise, so it's an arc with a dot on his forehead, Katara gets the mark of the brave, which is a crescent moon, makes total sense, and then Aang gets mark of the trusted, which is a curved, like a long curved line, and he's basically adopted as part of being the Water Tribe, but then he states that he's not trustworthy because he kept the note from them, and Saka is pissed off, rightfully so, in my opinion. I would be so pissed off as well, but Saka also just like does not give him the time to even explain himself. Even Bato was like, no, I, I think you should listen to him, but Saka just like, he doesn't want to hear it. Finally, Katara is on Saka's side, but unfortunately it's not. It, uh, it looks really hard for Katara to pick size, but at the end of the day, she has to pick her, her brother. They all walk away, Aang's all alone. And then they're packing their things and taking it all off of Appa's saddle. Very sad. So Aang, Momo, and Appa all make their way out and they go their separate ways. So Bato, Sokka, and Katara are making their way to go find Hakoda. I guess they're just walking there at this point. Nyla is now coming through. Nyla like ran through the door of the Abbey. Clearly Katara's not there, but she had just left. So now she's gonna go back and- and fine Katara. I love this moment with Bato because you hear a lone wolf like howl in the distance and Bato kind of uses this as an analogy to how he's feeling to how Sokka is feeling and now to how Aang's feeling. This wolf was separated from its pack. Bato feels like that because all the warriors left him. Sokka felt like that when they all left him two years ago and now Aang is feeling that too because they just separated and now he's on his own. Here they realize, you know, this is the right thing to do. Like, they need to go help Aang, just like how Grand Grand said their destinies were intertwined at that point in time. So they turn to go find Aang and they, you know, say bye to Bato. Uh, We do see Bato again in the guru. I think. Yeah, whenever, like, everybody has their own little projects that they do after, like, Laogai. Yes, yeah, so we don't see him until then. But unfortunately, this precious little moment is gonna get broken up later. So, a nun finds Aang on the beach. I guess maybe Aang was just waiting there to see maybe they'll they'll come back, but I guess, I guess not. This nun basically tells him to get the fuck out because Zuko is here. He realizes that Katara and Sokka are in trouble. So Nyla, unfortunately, does catch up to Katara and Sokka and just zeroes in on her. And June is coming in with more Zutara jokes, saying that this is your girlfriend. No wonder why she left you. She's way too pretty. <laughs> uh, Katara is very pretty. I think she's too pretty for everybody, in my opinion. But great exchange between Zuko and Sokka. How stupid do you think I am? Pretty stupid. I mean, Zuko, I wouldn't say stupid. I just, I just think he doesn't think things through before doing them. And that's something that Iro really, really hones in on in Lake Laogai. So yeah, I just, I I don't think Zuko's stupid. I just think he needs to think before he acts and says anything. <laughs> but unfortunately, while Sok and Katara are running away, Nyla hits him with the tongue and now they're paralyzed. They are now captured and they're put on Nyla and now they're breaking into the abbey. I don't know if you guys noticed this. I watched this scene like hundreds of times. So the nuns finally got the door back up in the abbey and of course Nyla breaks breaks it down again. So the ride is a bit bumpy. I literally watched this scene like 10 times in slow motion. It's so funny. I just think it's hilarious. So like Sokka looks terrible. He looks like he's gonna be sick. Katara looks like she's passed out and... Iroh is just so happy that he gets to be right behind June. I guess June's fine. She's probably used to it. Zuko doesn't look too happy either. I mean, probably because he didn't find Aang. But again, the ride is a bit bumpy. So I, I was watching this. He, he is in Zuko, holds on to Katara, like on her back. I don't know if it's because he doesn't want her to fall off or it's because he needs to hold on to something. I don't know. I would go back and watch it he's definitely holding on to her. Sokka, unfortunately, is just like flopping around everywhere. Poor Sokka. Got nothing to hold on to. Zuko isn't holding on to him. He's only holding on the Katara. But yeah, this whole scene is just hilarious, the way that they, they drew. Now all of the nuns are hiding behind their perfume pots, thinking that that's going to protect them. I don't... nope, I don't think it will. But <laughs> Aang is now here, he has a blue scent, everyone gets yeeted off of Nyla, and now Nyla is coming for Aang. Luckily enough, we have Appa. Appa is so protective of Aang and honestly so protective of everybody else, but especially Aang since their energies are, are connected. Appa went like horns first into Nyla. I don't know how he didn't pierce Nyla through, but I mean, this is crazy. Because again, this is the first time we see Appa engage in any sort of battle so it's awesome. But now Zuko is able to get up. He's fine. We see a Zuko Ang battle. So the music at first, it kind of sounds like the end credits, but then it kind of goes into the, uh, the battle music, I guess. But they both hit each other with pretty specific, like pretty similar bending styles, I guess. Both of them have gotten really good at at bending because, you know, before this and and even with Zuko especially you know he was still mastering the basics but clearly here he's he's doing a lot better and so is Aang but to the point where they're almost equally matched and where they hit each other with a similar blast and both get thrown onto roofs. Iro doesn't participate at all. He's just kind of chilling with the nuns, I guess, like, kind of on, on the side. I don't know. Uh, Nyla and Appa are also fighting again simultaneously with Zuko and Aang. And uh, Nyla is able to get Appa with some of the the venom, saliva, whatever. But Appa's huge. I think it'll take a lot for him to really be fully paralyzed so he's he's all right <laughs> but yeah Appa's really going in for the kill like he is not holding back at all and I think it's fantastic but yeah again parallel bending skills here between Aang and Zuko uh, to me I, I think Aang is like watching Zuko's technique and learning from him and clearly he does learn from him in book three but you know whole plot point in the next episode is that uh, you know Aang doesn't get a chance to really be close to a fire airbender before so I think he's really learning Zuko's bending style here as we'll see because they do the same type of bending move on the roof like when they're coming at one another and both of their arms at one side and they're gathering momentum I think it's I think the parallel between them is awesome and Appa is airbending with his tail which is so cute. But as he's doing this, unfortunately, Appa is ruining the infrastructure of these buildings and all of the roof bits fall onto Sokka, just as he is getting some feeling back in his body. But, and none of the roof falls on Katara, which I think is great. (laughs) And here we have a thief. Iroh steals the perfume. He like smells it and he just kind of stuffs it in a secret sleeve pocket. Hilarious. I think it's absolutely hilarious. Like, he's not even paying attention to his own nephew that could potentially get hurt here. But nope, let's just steal some perfume. This bending here is so great. You know, they're they're over the well. It's super quick. They're very agile. And Aang is kind of using Zuko's anger against him. And he falls into the well, getting the necklace, which is great. And Zuko tries to firebend into the well, which I think is really stupid because it's a well. Like, what did he expect here? It's water. <laughs> like, I don't know. I don't know. Zuko, I question your decision sometimes. But Zuko now gets launched in the air by the water that Aang had to his disposal in the well. And he just lands flat on the ground. I don't know how Zuko did not get hurt. Break any bones, snap his neck, or die with that because it was a hard fall. But he's alive. I don't know. I'm really confused by that. But yeah, Ang does get the necklace, which is great. Uh, but Zuko does get up. You know, he's he's able to walk freely. He's able to walk just fine after that hard fall. Appa is now coming for Zuko, which I loved because Zuko was like, "Oh fuck this." flying bison. This 10 ton flying bison's coming at me. But, you know, Nyla comes in and hits- hits Appa with some more whips, I guess. I really don't like that. I really don't like seeing Appa get whipped at all. I hate animal cruelty, as we'll see in Appa's lost days. It's very sad. Sokka is still coming up with some strategies here. They have- the nuns had a perfume that was able to help them wake up, I guess. I don't know what it was. I would love to know because I would love to get some type of perfume that helps me wake up because I am so tired. (laughs) But yeah, now Aang is battling Nyla and Zuko at the same time. Really tough. But Sokka comes up with a strategy in which they can use a perfume to help confuse Nyla a little bit more. So they get all of the, the perfume pots... Katara then bends the perfume, similar style as to how Aang was airbending in the sale earlier with making, uh, you know, spinning your your arms back and forth. But the perfume is then able to separate Aang from Nyla and now Nyla's really freaked out. There's too many colors, too many scents, and Nyla can't see, can't figure out who's who and freaks out and is just swinging their poisonous tongue everywhere and paralyzes Zuko through his armor. Also paralyzes June. Iro dramatically <laughs> catches her in slow motion and pretends to be paralyzed as well. Nyla is then scratching at things and, and runs away. Clearly, June is able to reunite with Nyla later on. It's it's unclear how they were able to find her later. Yeah, so Iro is being a little weird. You know, Zuko's like, I didn't see you get hit with the, the tongue, but he's just pretending so that he's able to come for June. June sees right through this and is a little annoyed, and that's kind of the- the end of the B story on- on that end. But now our favorite family of Aang, Katara, and Sokka are all together. It's, like, unspokenly forgiven, or, like, they unspokenly forgive each other, I guess. Cle- clearly, Aang came back for them and helped them, uh, you know, escape, and, you know, Aang also gets the- necklace back but you know they say they're they're gonna get him to north pole you know you're our family too very cute but he gives the necklace back and in return Katara kisses him on the cheek and Aang gets super flustered he blushes twiddling his thumbs so cute and they fly away in hopes of getting to the north pole again so that is the end of episode 15 my gosh, no messenger hawks this week, totally fine. Yeah, having Danny on was fantastic. If you wanna be on the podcast, let me know. If you wanna stream with me, let me know. But next week is the deserter. Guys, we're meeting Zhang Zhang. We're, we're meeting Zhao again. It's a great battle between them. And we get to see more development within Katara's waterbending. Really good episode next week. If you have anything that you want to write down, if any questions, anything that you, you notice within the deserter, please let me know. But, but yeah, that's it for Bato of the Water Tribe. All in all, it's a good episode, but it's, in my opinion, my least favorite episode of the entire series, just because I don't like the way that Aang handles everything. I get it. I, I get why, but I just, yeah, I don't like the way he handles things. But let me know your opinions on this episode, because it's it's a pretty, not controversial episode, kind of looped in with The Great Divide, and that some people think it's fantastic, and some people think it's the worst. So, well, I would love to hear your opinions on that. Let me know. Send me anything that you, you want for uh, the deserter and yeah. Uh, thanks again for listening and I'll see you next week. Thanks for listening in and sending me things to talk about. Write an email to hello podcast here at gmail.com for any questions, feedback, or things you want to hear about for future episodes follow me on instagram at hello podcast here and on twitter at atla podcast that's atla podcast for all the latest updates my website is coming soon disclaimers i am not associated with nickelodeon avatar the last airbender the legend of Korra, or anything related to the contents discussed in this podcast i'm not being paid to talk about or promote avatar the last airbender i'm just a fan of the show hello podcast here an avatar podcast party is created using the anchor app